Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to What The Bump. Today, we are gonna talk about C-sections or cesarean sections. And I kind of am gonna just talk about like C-section 101. I'm gonna walk you through what a C-section looks like. And of course, this is from a nurse's perspective or a nurse's point of view, but I am just kind of gonna take you through what a average C-section would entail. Kind of, I'm gonna go through more so like a scheduled C-section, like people who have breech babies or maybe a repeat C-section, but a lot of it does still apply if you end up having to have an emergent C-section. And I'm sorry that this podcast is long overdue. I usually try to get one out every week, but I am a labor and delivery nurse. And normally August is the most crazy month for us every single year. But honestly, it started early this year because this month has been very, very busy. And I know some hospitals in big cities deliver like 30 babies a day and that's totally normal and average for them. But for us, that is a lot of babies. And we did, I believe, not 30, gosh, not 30, but somewhere around like, 15 to 20 the other day, which is a pretty big day for us. We are an LDRP unit, so we actually do labor, delivery, recovery, and postpartum. So it's a little bit different. If our floor was just labor, we probably could handle that volume because you deliver them and then they get sent to the postpartum unit about two hours, one to two hours after delivery. But our patients stays stay in the same room. So after they deliver, they stay in those rooms for up to three days. So our unit can fill up very quickly because there really is nowhere else that they go. They stay on labor and delivery which is one of my favorite parts of my unit. I absolutely love the LDRP model. I love that people don't have to pack up an hour after having their newborn and get transferred to another unit in another room. They get to just stay right in that room. And I just feel like it's way more family friendly, I guess. I don't know. I absolutely love LDRP though. But work is to blame for the late podcast. And I also started school, which if you didn't know, I only have my associate's degree. I actually have an ADN. So I'm still a registered nurse. Really no difference in my job, at least between an ADN and a BSN. We're all RNs. We all get the same pay and do this, have the exact same like tasks and um, responsibilities. But I am going back for my BSN and I'm doing that through Western Governors University. It's all online. Thank goodness, of course, especially right now with COVID, but it is all online. And on average, it takes about a year to do the um, RN to BSN, but I do plan on doing it in six months. So fingers crossed, I can kind of devote all of my time outside of work to that school. And I'm excited to be back in school. My goal after that is to hopefully go back to school to be a midwife. That's at least what I'm thinking of now, planning now, but you know, things change and that's you know, a little bit farther away than the immediate future. So I am back in school for my BSN and I'm super excited to get started on that. But let's jump into this podcast. It should not be too long of one. We're just going to kind of run through a C-section and what it exactly looks like, what happens in the OR, what happens before the C-section, what the recovery for a C-section looks like. And then I'm going to touch at the end on kind of emergency sections and the differences. Um, The main thing though, I mean, the whole time in the OR is going to be almost the same and the whole time in recovery is going to be the same for a scheduled versus an emergency section, but I will touch on the differences at the end. So let's jump in. So what exactly is a cesarean section? And for the sake of saying the word cesarean over and over, we're just going to call it a C-section. Same thing. It's a procedure for delivering a baby through abdominal and uterine incisions, basically surgery, delivering your baby through the abdomen and through the uterus. Usually it's a lower transverse incision at the bikini line. And that's pretty standard. It's if you just literally imagine wearing a bikini and then having the incision right at the top of that bikini line, that is exactly where it is. Normally they are transverse, meaning that they go, I guess, right from left, not up and down. 
the rate of C-section, so the World Health Organization suggests that about 10 to 15% of women have babies via C-section, but a more recent study found that it's a lot higher, somewhere around 19 to 20%. And North America and Western Europe actually have the highest C-section rate, somewhere around 30% in 2015, which is a lot. That's about one third of babies delivered via C-section in 2015. And I truly believe even if you have a very uncomplicated pregnancy, you're low risk and you pass every single test with flying colors, I think that it is great to listen to podcasts like this or even read maybe like a mommy baby blog or even an Instagram talking about C-sections because like that said, I mean, 30% of women ended up delivering via C-section and that's a big percent. And you might not plan for a C-section, you might plan for a vaginal delivery, but babies do what they want. Things go wrong in labor all the time. And it's just nice to know kind of because if it does happen emergently, you want to know a little bit of what you're expecting. You don't need to know everything, but some of the terms that they might use or things that they might do, it just helps to kind of know what you are experiencing before it happens. So let's walk through a scheduled C-section. So let's say, let's say your baby is breached. So of course you, you, they want to schedule you for a C-section because baby is breached means feet first. And it's some physicians, some places will deliver. It's either feet or butt first. Um, some will deliver you vaginally like that. Most physicians will not. They will try to turn the baby. If they can't do that, they will schedule you for a C-section. So some reasons you would be scheduled for a C-section would be having a breech baby. So a baby that's basically just turned the wrong way. Head is not down, head is up. Having twins, a lot of times you can do vaginal twins, of course, but some people will just kind of choose an elective C-section if they're having twins. You can also choose an elective C-section for no reason. Most providers will not do this. However, I have heard of people wanting a C-section because they just maybe don't want to rip their vagina or they're just absolutely so scared of birth. And I have heard of people getting elective C-sections before. You might have a C-section for placenta previa or placenta accreta. So that's where the placenta grows and it covers part or the entire cervix. And it's not safe to have a vaginal delivery that way because if the cervix dilates and the baby goes to come through the cervix, but the placenta is in the way, it can cause the placenta to tear, to rip, to abrupt, and to start bleeding, which you do not want. Another reason for a C-section is a repeat. So maybe with your first baby, you had a C-section for some reason. And usually the second time you have a baby or times after that, a lot of women will just opt to do a repeat C-section. You can do what's called a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean if you choose to. But there are, of course, risks associated with that. And that's a podcast for another day. But sometimes after you have one C-section, women will just automatically opt to have a repeat C-section. Another reason for a C-section is going to be if you have active herpes lesions. It is not recommended to have a vaginal birth if you have active herpes and lesions in the vaginal area. Another reason for a scheduled C-section would be if they estimate your baby to be extremely large, large to where they just don't think a vaginal delivery is safe. They don't think that the baby will fit through the vaginal canal. So you, they might try to offer you a scheduled cesarean section for that reason. Most times when you have a scheduled cesarean section, they of course don't want you go, to go into labor. So a lot of times they'll be scheduled usually around that 39 week mark. So they schedule your C-section for, let's say, 39 weeks. So you hit that day, that morning, and let's say it's at 7 a.m. or something like that. Normally, we have you come in two hours before the scheduled time to prepare you to get everything prepped, to get your IV and things like that. The actual surgery, the actual C-section, once you're back in the OR, only takes about 30 minutes to one hour. It's actually very quickly. And I mean, it depends on scar tissue and maybe other complications, things like that. But normally, it's about 30 minutes to one hour. It's usually calm. It goes pretty smoothly. Um, they will have you be NPO, so nothing by mouth after midnight the night before normally is pretty standard. So after midnight, no eating. Um, and they tell you really only, I think, I believe a few small sips of water is all. So as for prep, you come into the hospital two hours before that set time. They get you your IV. We do basic lab work. We put you on the fetal monitor for about 30 minutes to an hour just to check baby's heart rate and kind of do with an NST or a non-stress test. 
And then we will kind of wash your belly, shave your pubic area if we need to, and prep the incision site by cleaning it. In the OR, you will wear a scrub cap. Your husband will wear what we call a bunny suit, but it's basically either scrubs we give them or just like this big suit, just because we try to keep the OR as sterile as possible. You guys will both wear hair caps and masks. We'll go through some pre-op questions, asking you things like if you are a heavy snore, if you have sleep apnea, difficulty swallowing, chewing, when you last ate, what you at last ate, more so anesthesia questions. Anesthesia and your doctor will come visit you before they will sign consents for the C-section and for the anesthesia. We do give you Bicitra 30 minutes before we roll back to the OR normally, and that is just to neutralize stomach acid. We start some IV fluids, and this all takes about two hours to prep you. So after two hours of putting you on the monitor, getting your IV, getting your lab works, getting paperwork signed, asking you tons of questions, getting you fully admitted, you kind of just chill out that whole time. You and your husband just get to relax. And we basically just do honestly a whole lot of talking and getting everything admission wise finished. After that's done and the time hits to roll back to the OR, your nurse and usually one other person will take you back and we'll park the bed outside of the OR. You'll get out of the bed and we'll walk you into the OR. Now we have your support person or your spouse, significant other, whoever it is that is with you, wait outside of the OR in this little like side room. While we take you in, you will sit on the edge of the OR table and you will get a spinal. So it's like an epidural, but it's a little bit deeper and no catheter stays in. So with an epidural, it goes in the epidural space, of course, and the catheter stays in your back. With a When you get a cesarean, it doesn't stay in. It goes a little bit deeper and they basically just inject the medicine and then take everything out. You'll be on the edge of the table during that and then we will lay you flat back onto the table and it's pretty pretty instant the effects of that you will get pretty numb on your lower half of your body very quickly so at this point your doctor normally comes in you have one to two scrub techs if your doctor has an assistant they'll also be in there you'll have your main nurse probably a scrub nurse to just kind of help out and then a baby nurse and depending on the situation you might have a nurse practitioner and a respiratory therapist so you don't need to know all those people it's honestly irrelevant to you but i'm just trying to say that there is a good amount of people in a c-section there's a lot of rules going on anesthesia is of course in there usually a crna as well there can be a good 10 people in a c-section so your significant other will be brought back after you have the spinal and you're laid back we also put a foley catheter in you very quickly but like i said you're numb so you won't really feel that your significant other comes back we sit them in a chair at the head of your bed and then we put like a drape over you so you don't of course watch you i heard you can request a clear drape we do not use clear drapes standardly it is like a blue drape you cannot see through it and we drape it right at like your breast line that way you do not watch your own cesarean section because it just might be a little weird watching your belly get cut into honestly there's no better way to put it so we do drape you that way you cannot see anything below your breast line really your spouse or your significant other can sit above that drape with you basically everybody works below that drape below the head of the bed the entire time throughout the cesarean section anesthesia is really the only one up at your head and they're monitoring your vitals giving you medications making sure you feel fine making sure that your vital signs are fine giving you anything for nausea if you need it and things like that we will test you with a kind of a little pinch they do a little test on your belly making sure that you are are completely numb and do not feel it and then they start throughout the cesarean section you might feel some pressure some pulling but you should not feel pain and honestly from that point on you don't do anything you lay there and like I said this can take anywhere from five minutes from the start of the incision to 10 to 15 minutes to completely get the baby out depending on what we're working with and you'll just feel some pressure some tugging some pulling and then you will have your baby the baby gets put onto the nurse's arms a nurse who is prepared to receive the baby we take the baby over to the warmer normally 
we dry them off we make sure that they look good and then dad can come over to the warmer in the or see baby take pictures we do weights we do measurements and we give vaccines in there we make sure baby looks great and then we just wrap baby back up give baby back to dad and dad goes back and sits in that chair at the head of the bed while the physician finishes stitching you back up sewing you back up and doing everything that they need to do to finish the cesarean section if you request it some people do get skin to skin right in the or right after delivery honestly I, it's not standard really at my hospital. We don't really do skin to skin with the C-section because we do have that big drape draping over you. So we normally do take baby over to the warmer, check baby out, clean baby up, do the weights and things like that, and then give the baby to dad and dad comes back and sits with you. However, if immediate skin to skin is something you want after your cesarean, especially if your cesarean is scheduled, you kind of have time to advocate for that and ask for that. It is definitely something that I would tell you to talk to your provider about and even your nurse when you get to the hospital and let them know that that is something that you are interested in. Sewing up every layer through your uterus and abdomen takes around 30 minutes and then your physician finishes your nurse and the anesthesiologist or the CRNA usually kind of get you cleaned up and then transfer you back onto your hospital bed from the OR table, take you back to your room with your support person and your baby. And that is basically the finish of the OR portion of your C-section. As far as recovery from a C-section, you normally stay in the hospital for about three days rather than two days, which is standard for the vaginal delivery. So you do kind of earn yourself that extra day of stay. Afterwards at my hospital, it's standard that you stay in bed for about 10 to 12 hours post-op from the cesarean section with a Foley catheter in just to allow your anesthesia to completely wear off and make you a little bit more stable to get up and get up to the bathroom and everything like that. You will be given ice chips after your cesarean and we slowly advance your diet over the next few hours, offering things like juice and then crackers, things like that, just because of course surgery does slow down and kind of halt your gut. So we will slowly advance your diet, make sure you're making sure that you're not having any nausea or vomiting because vomiting with that incision does not feel good. So that is really the main reason why we start you out on just ice chips and are really slow to advance your diet post-op. You will be given oral or IV pain medications depending on what is ordered and kind of the level of your pain and how you are tolerating it. We do really like you to pass gas or have a bowel movement before you're discharged. So the anesthesia does of course slow everything down plus you're staying in bed for that 10 to 12 hours plus you're receiving narcotics on top of it for pain. So it really really does slow everything down. So it's super important that you at least pass some gas or have a bowel movement before you are discharged. As far as food sources, post-op, protein sources are great. So things like lean meats, eggs, nuts, legumes, low-fat dairy products, those are all really good foods to kind of help your body regain its strength and heal a lot quickly. Also, make sure you eat nutrient-dense foods such as zinc, which can be found in a lot of seafood, meats, whole grains, vitamin C, which is going to be in citrus fruits and bell peppers, and then vitamin A, which is carrots, sweet potatoes, and mangoes. So just honestly, focus on whole real foods is basically the gist of what I'm saying, and it will make your recovery easier, and it will also help your bowels to kind of re-regulate themselves. You may feel groggy after C-section, nauseated, and you might have pain in your shoulders. So if you have pain in your shoulders, a lot of times that is gas pain. So make sure you tell your nurse that. And there is some medications, chewable pills, we call them simethicone. They're like little chewable tablets that we can give you. And it really helps with that gas pain. A lot of women that I help recover from C-sections will tell me that their shoulders hurt and that they're feeling a lot of gas bubbling up and that simethicone really does the trick and it really helps with that gas pain. So if that's what you're feeling, definitely elevate that to your nurse or your doctor and let them know. As far as hydration, of course, drink tons and tons and tons and tons of water. The more you hydrate, the more your milk will come in and just honestly, the better that you will feel post-op. Another little side tip is to avoid sneezing, coughing, and of course, vomiting. So with that incision, especially as anesthesia wears off and even maybe day two or day three post-op, it will get really sore and nothing sucks more than sneezing, coughing, and especially vomiting with that C-section. It just kills me when one of my patients vomits 
post-op because, oh, they just grabbed their bellies and I know it hurts so bad. So really be cautious with advancing your diet and just try not to sneeze and cough the best you can. Going home from the hospital, like I said, will be about that three-day mark. So we get you up at 12 hours. We take out your Foley catheter. You're back eating food. You've passed some gas, had a bowel movement. These are all things that we make sure are in check before your discharge. We make sure baby's eating good. Baby looks good. Your um, incision looks great. No signs of infection. You don't have a fever, nothing like that. As far as going home, we tell you to avoid heavy lifting, any bending over, any stretching up, and to really slowly start your activity as tolerated. And this is over six weeks. So for six weeks post-op until you have that follow-up appointment, we really want you to be super cautious with heavy lifting, bending, stretching, and exercising. The main thing is just trying to avoid tearing those stitches, which you do not want to happen. And those stitches will resolve they will check you at your six weeks post-op appointment. But until then, if you have any concerns going home, you feel like something ripped, tore, doesn't look right. You feel like you might have flu-like symptoms, signs of infection in that um, in that incision area, swelling, redness, pus oozing at the site, or a fever greater than 104, definitely call your provider. Another thing to watch out for is any bad smelling or discharge or heavy bleeding from the vagina, any redness or swelling in your legs, difficulty breathing, chest pain. Honestly, guys, just things that you would be like, oh, this doesn't seem right. Maybe I should see a doctor for Definitely see a doctor for post-op. Don't wait until that follow-up appointment. That's going to be around five or six weeks. Call them right away. But honestly, post-op cesarean sections and even vaginal stitches heal up very nicely. So that was your walk through a scheduled C-section. Now, let's talk about the differences with an emergency section, which is probably more commonly the one that you are going to worry about or fear. So emergency section is basically the same process. Like I said, the OR process is generally the same. The recovery process is generally the same, except everything might be sped up and a little bit more hectic. So that's why I think it's so good to educate yourself on a cesarean section, even if you are absolutely not planning to have one, because like I said, things happen. So why would you have an emergent C-section? Here are going to be some reasons. So fetal distress. So when you get in labor, your uterus is contracting. Sometimes it stresses the baby out. It might be where the cord is laying. It might be the oxygen supply. It might be the placenta. It might just be that the baby doesn't like labor. So baby will normally have heart rate decelerations. And it basically is telling us, your nurses, your physician, that baby just isn't tolerating labor. Baby does not like labor. And this can't go on forever. So if you're close to delivering, normally we try to give you a grace period and ride it out and just hope that you deliver soon or try to intervene and help you deliver soon but if not and baby just really is not tolerating later well that will be a reason for an emergency section another reason is rupture of membranes with a cord prolapse so your water breaks or we break your water on purpose and the baby drops down so fast into the birth canal once that water slips away or not even to the birth canal but just lower into the uterus segment that the cord actually slips past and under the baby's head and into the vaginal canal that is not good because now baby's head is on that cord and that cord is in the vaginal canal. Baby's head will cut off the circulation to the cord. And remember, the cord is the baby's lifeline. So that's an emergency that we we will put our hands up into your cervix. We will hold the baby's head off of the cord as best as we can. And we will run you back to the OR. And you, yeah. So that's, that's emergent. And I'm going to talk about what kind of happens when that happens as far as the difference in the ORs. But just know that that's another reason. Um, an unstable lie during labor. So let's say you start laboring and baby flips and baby ends up being a breach. That might get you a C-section. Stalled out labor. So despite every effort on your part and our part, Pitocin, we rupture your water. We try all the different positions. Baby just doesn't want to be born and labor just does not progress. You might not dilate. You might not ever start contracting well. And let's just say you've been ruptured for a long time and it's just not going anywhere. You might be offered a C-section. 
Another reason why you might have a C-section is premature labor. Another reason is trauma to the abdomen affecting the infant or the mother. So if you get in a car accident or you fall on your belly or anything like that and it causes trauma, um, it could cause the placenta to abrupt or to break away from the uterine wall or it could cause a lot of stress to baby. We can't wait to induce labor and things like that to have a baby. We need to have a baby right then and there because that environment after trauma might not be suitable for the baby to live and grow in anymore or it might be affecting you and you might be having complications so baby also might have to be delivered due to trauma. Like I just said, placental abruption. So if you are laboring or not laboring, and for some reason your placenta just detaches from your uterine wall. When that happens, baby and mom start to lose blood. You cannot keep going with a full placenta abruption. You will have to deliver the baby because that's the only way to stop bleeding from you and to stop bleeding from the baby. One of the other reasons, and mainly the last reason I'm going to touch on in this podcast, is going to be a uterine rupture. So that is where the uterus ruptures. Just like it sounds, it ruptures into the cavity surrounding it. And there's more of a risk with uterine rupture with if you're V-backing. So let's say you've had a cesarean before, but this time you want to have a vaginal delivery. So you go into labor, you start contracting, and it's very rare. But that old C-section star, scar, the incision that they made on your uterus for your C-section, when the contractions start, it weakens that area and it ruptures. Your uterus basically ruptures into your abdominal cavity, and that is very, very dangerous. It will warrant an immediate C-section because basically your uterus, your baby, everything is just kind of floating around in your abdominal cavity, and that, of course, cannot go on for more than minutes. Honestly, it is minutes that that can happen. So what happens if you have one of the very serious emergencies where your cord prolapses through the vaginal canal or your uterus ruptures or your placenta abrupts or you have a very bad trauma and we just don't even have minutes to spare, you will be put to sleep. So the OR experience will be the same as far as our end, as far as the hospital staff's end. However, you'll just be put to sleep. Dad will not or your significant other will not be allowed in the room. They will stay outside of the room. And it sounds really scary, guys, but in the end, we're focused on having a healthy mom and a healthy baby, and that is just what we have to do if we don't have minutes to spare to, like I said, sit you on the side of the table, and then an anesthesia comes in, and they put in your spinal epidural, and we lay you back, and then we bring the, the, the your significant other in, and then we drape you, and we clean you. Sometimes you just don't have time for all that. So if that happens, and you don't have time for all of that, your significant other will wait in the room or in the side room to the OR. You'll be taken straight back, and without even minutes to spare you will just be put under general anesthesia anesthesia will put medicine in your iv and next thing you know you will wake up in recovery so it does of course that is never ideal we never want you to miss the birth of your baby or your significant other to miss the birth of your baby but in this case we need a healthy mom and a healthy baby so if one of those things happens especially with a cord prolapse when that umbilical cord slips into the vaginal canal we cannot sit you up on the side of the table and get you a spinal baby needs to be delivered because baby's oxygen source and lifeline is being cut off basically if you have a uterus that abrupts into the abdominal cavity we also don't have time to get you a spinal you will be put to sleep and these things don't take long but we just don't have the 10 minutes to get the spinal placed like we normally would and that is really the main difference when it comes to an emergency section. Honestly, yeah, the OR might be a little bit more hectic than a schedule. There might be a little bit more people in there. But in general, what happens in the OR is going to be the same, except you're going to be asleep and your significant other will not be in there. You'll wake up in recovery and be brought back to your room where your significant other and baby will be as long as baby is okay. Then they will both be in there waiting for you and your recovery will generally be the same. And I don't want to scare you with that last bit on emergency section. I hate ending a podcast on a on a part that just sounds so terrible and so scary. But just know that if that happens and you're put to sleep, 
it is for the best thing for you and for the baby in that your healthcare providers, you can trust them. They definitely have the training that they need to have, your physician, anesthesia, your nurses. We really love our patients and truly it we hate when that happens. We really do. We don't want it for anybody, but unfortunately it happens. And we try our best to avoid it. But when it does, we just want to make sure that you're okay and that your baby is okay. And a lot of times you get put to sleep, you go into recovery and an hour later or less, you're back awake. And you're back in your room with your baby and your husband and or your significant other. And that's really all that matters in the end because you're healthy and your baby is healthy and whatever caused that emergent C-section is now resolved. And that is really the goal of it. Overall, cesarean sections heal really nicely. Like I said, they're that low cut bikini line. So truly you can wear bathing suits and shorts and things like that. And I think people's big fear is having like a scar there. You really don't see it. And even on women who have them and you maybe see that area where the scar would be, it is so tiny that a lot of times you cannot even see it. After the first few days recovering from a C-section, it does get much better. You start to move better and that incision does heal up super nicely. The main risks with a cesarean section, which I kind of touched on, are site infection. So any signs of redness, swelling, discharge, foul odor, things like that from the incision site, and then just an increased blood loss. So when you have a cesarean section versus a vaginal delivery, of course, you do lose a little bit more blood. In a vaginal delivery, I would say it's usually less than 500 mLs of blood that you lose. And in a C-section, it's usually 500 to 1,000. So you do lose a little bit more blood as expected though, because it is a, it is a surgery. I mean, you, you do lose a little bit more, but it's not really that significant to where you normally, as long as it's a pretty average normal C-section, you will not need a blood transfusion or anything like that. Your body will replenish and remake its blood, of course, as you keep a good diet and as you just keep on drinking fluids and recovering from the surgery. I hope that this podcast did not scare you. That was not my goal. My goal was just to educate you on a cesarean section, whether you're having a scheduled one and you kind of just wanted to know more so what that will look like, what that day will look like, what recovery will look like, or whether you're planning on a completely normal, average routine vaginal delivery. It's great to educate yourself just so if this happens, you know what to expect and it's not all just completely unknown to you. So I'm really thankful that you guys listen to this podcast. I'm really thankful that you trust me to bring you information. And like I always say, I am just learning right along with everybody. And this is just my perspective on a cesarean section. This is from my point of view. I've done scheduled cesarean sections. I've been the nurse for unscheduled ones. And this is just kind of my point of view of how they normally go. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for a future podcast, or want to be on the podcast, or want to say hi, anything like that, you can find me on Instagram at what the bump podcast, and definitely follow me, send me a message through there, but I really love talking to you guys and learning with you guys, so I will see you again in the next podcast. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I'm still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast.